Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at age.com is their website. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth here on a wonderful, wacky weekend here once again. And we have a guest today on the show that I know you're going to love. You've probably heard him before because he's been a, a relatively frequent guest on The Advertising Show. It's Brian Steinberg, advertising columnist for The Wall Street Journal, and also, uh, obviously, a great uh, contributing uh, columnist for The Wall Street Journal, but just a whole bunch of fun to have. I told Brian just a few minutes ago off the air that we just wind him up and let him go, and we'll go do what we need to do, you know? So, anyway, it's... Uh, it's that and a whole bunch more here. We've got, uh, let's see, uh, Joe Jaffe with us in just a few moments. Jeffrey Gittimer is with us. Andy Borowitz, Patrick Meyer, the Marketing Insider. Uh, the Wacky World of Marketing, it's a plastic surgery re- rewards card, credit card that's coming your way. And hmm. later on this hour, it's our advertising showcase, what we also finally call good advertising. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great, and you're right. Brian Steinberg is one of our, uh, you know, he's probably thinking as he's sitting in the green room listening to this, what do, what do you mean a fairly uh, frequent uh, visitor or to the advertising show? Well, you know, if you've been on the show three times in, uh, what, year and a half, two years, that you're pretty f- much qualifies you as a frequent visitor. Yeah, we well, got a star on his door, and, um, of course, we had the limo sent for him as well. So We uh, did? Yeah, we did. You know, on your uh, credit card. Yes, and uh, what, where is that piece of it? Here it is. I uh, saw a spot last night. I was going to mention this, uh, this being the weekend on Friday night. That's, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday night. Uh, um, I saw a, Z- a Zellnorm spot. Are you familiar with Zellnorm? Well, yeah, Zellnorm spelled backwards is what? No. <laughs> Zellnorm is a drug. What does it do? I forget. There's well, it's the out. one. Uh, you may have seen the commercials. It's the one that uh, they used to write on the stomach of people, and it had to do with gas and this and that. And you, you oh, had yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah, women lined sure. up most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it always got my attention because, you know, the belly shirt. Any, any type of... Uh, view of a belly of a woman that is over, you know, 19. Now you're in our uh, age group. So, uh, and that had to do with some stomach issue. But I saw the Zellnorm spot and I thought this is unusual because they're uh, promoting the fact that it's uh, a solution for uh, constipation. And I thought, why wouldn't you just take one of your sister drugs? And I don't remember what the drug company was that uh, was promoting Zellnorm. But why wouldn't you just take one of your sister drugs that causes diarrhea and recommend that one for for this same problem? I don't understand it. Well, if you want to try it as a a, a test dummy, by all means, uh, go right ahead and try that. Me, I I just like hot sauce. That's all. It works really well. (laughs) Well, that's that's true. You know, I I know you're a big fan of of taking cruises, Ray. Uh, I don't like to – I don't get to do that that often. Well, that's what what your wife, uh, Kathy, tells me. Oh, she doesn't take me. That's right. I forgot. That's that's true. But the Royal Caribbean International launched a new email uh, publication called Explorer, the uh, recent 
recently. They're calling it a, a video magazine. Royal Caribbean believes that it's the first publication of its kind in the cruise industry created with rich media. Interactive agency IQ uh, Interactive and ad agency Arnold Worldwide uh, Explorer features flash-based interactive video and highlights uh, different aspects of the cruise experience. The premier winter 2006 issue contains stories about the South Caribbean and Bermuda, another uh, feature, Ray, uh, follows several snorkelers, snorkelers as they uh, swim with a school of stingrays. I thought it was, an, a fr- frankly, a very a very interesting and uh, uh, relevant idea for a uh, cruise uh, uh, company to be sending these things, especially at a right. time when, uh, you know, it's, it's still cold across certain parts of the country. And it's, a, I think, a great idea of taking email and doing it with a video uh, inclusion and doing it in a way that makes you want to go to where they're where they are. You would think that maybe that's uh, email had a virus to go along with it, uh, hmm. considering it's a cruise ship. Boy, they're would, having yeah, big troubles know. as far as hey, let's really take a are. cruise and get the flu. Okay, yeah. great idea. Or, or lose your husband. Uh, yeah, that, oh, that too. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I went on a cruise once and that was it. Thank you very much. Have a nice yeah. day. Uh, anyway, we've got uh, we've got uh, Joe Jaffe now. You know they, the, the the saying "a penny for your thoughts." Well, this is a few pennies more. Let's listen to him. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant Joseph Jaffe. We're all familiar with the saying "a penny for your thoughts," but how about a million dollars for one idea? Well, that's what made a young guy, I think he was 19 years old, Alex Two in the UK, a millionaire. He created the Million Dollar Homepage, and essentially he allowed advertisers to buy various pixels on that homepage. He filled that entire homepage. In fact, the very final cluster of pixels he put on eBay, and instead of selling it for $1,000, he ended up fetching 38100 Now, one might look at this and say, it's a gimmick. Well, it's a gimmick that fetched a million dollars that got him an incredible amount of press, including the Wall Street Journal. It also gave birth to copycats, such as Present Me Color, which is actually a pretty nice idea. You buy pixels that turns this beautiful black and white image of a very attractive woman into a color version. But then there were some very other interesting copycats. Not StickerMyHummer or BoxOfStars.com, but NicholsForKatrina.org. And then it dawned on me, this is a very interesting consumer behavior trend that is occurring with and through new marketing. Ultimately, the ability to allow a community to come together and, yes, to pay with not just their attention but their money in order to effect some kind of change some kind of action. Maybe it's a small price to pay, to pay $1, $10, $100, but the ability to be part of something bigger is obviously what captured the hearts and minds of a million dollars worth of business. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. It's the Advertising Show. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth. About to bring Brian Steinberg on. Uh, well, Brian got a mention there in the, in the Joe's feature. That's nice. Uh, Brian Steinberg, advertising columnist for the Wall Street Journal. We have him for hour number one and hour number two uh, yeah. this, uh, this weekend as well. Fitzgerald and Company is an interpublic uh, group agency out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They're doing the uh, the Coca-Cola Black, B-L-I-K. It's uh, that 30-second uh, spot um, 
that uh, talks about this drink that has lots of energy in it, Brad. Mm-hmm. Which means caffeine, right? Well, I don't know. Well, let's hopefully we know something what's in there. I don't know. Uh, the Independent Shop released a 15-second teaser for the beverage earlier this month uh, during the uh, pre-show broadcast for the Academies. Uh, the ad has continued to run on episodes of American Idol depicts a bottle of Coca-Cola Black as a glamorous star being photographed on the red carpet by the uh, paparazzi. So hmm. there we go. Coke yeah. describes Coca-Cola Black as a fusion beverage combining coffee with cola. Yeah, exactly, with an extra boost of energy. So hmm. anyway, have you, have you heard that... Uh, New coffee from McDonald's as well, apparently. Rivals Starbucks, which could be interesting. I haven't had it yet, but I'd like to try some right now. Stay with us, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, along with Brian Steinberg out of New York, advertising columnist for the Wall Street Journal, is coming your way next on The Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Never borrow money needlessly just when you must. It's The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Our special guest, we welcome back Brian Steinberg, advertising columnist for The Wall Street Journal. You've heard his whole bio. Um, we should just go ahead and print it on the website, I think. That'd probably be the easiest <laughs> thing to do. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for taking time out of your weekend to join us here on The Advertising Show, and welcome back. Thanks so much. I always like to be here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, before we get started with uh, the meaty issues of the uh, advertising, marketing, and branding industry, let's let's talk a little bit about you, Brian. Uh, share with our audience, if you will, something that they might find unusual about being a writer for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, unusual? Uh, <laughs> deadlines are very early. I think people earlier than people might think. Uh, I don't know if anyone really cares about this or not, but um, <laughs> we often you uh, some of these articles uh, sometimes get done... Uh, in hours rather than a long period of time. Being a columnist, sometimes there's no column for the day just through, uh, you know, the happenstances of, of work, and we often have to come up with ideas uh, on, the, on the fly the moment and get them done before uh, 6.30 at night. So I don't know if and- knows how wants to know how the sausage is made, but sometimes it takes a little, a little bit to do it. <laughs> so yeah. it's a, it sounds like a fiction writer, actually. Yeah. actually but not. <laughs> not in his business. Yeah, with what's going on in your industry, I don't think we want to go there, do no, we? No, 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 we do. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, so what are your deadlines? Is it that are sometimes it an advance of, of the previous day? Is there more than one day in advance sometimes? Well, sometimes we have stories that are, you know, the, the columns are daily things, so we're always juggling uh, you know, can we hold this for another day? Does it have to run tomorrow? Does it have to run tonight? Um, but there are occasions where, uh, you know, we come in and there's the cupboard is bare, so to speak. It's kind of the phrase we use. And um, I've there's been one moment where I had to write a column. Uh, we Something else fell through at, like, 3.30 in the afternoon. I had one I had been working on, and it had to be done by between 4 and 5.30 or 6. And so the, 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 by 6.30, that thing better be done. And, Paper starts rolling around, around, around seven o'clock or so. So, Brian, yeah. how do you make sausage? I, I was just curious. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 once you find out you don't want to eat it, yeah, that's right. No, it's uh, mo- mo- most days we have a much. Uh, we we worked on for a couple of days, and uh, they're they're, they're been reported. I mean, they're always, they're, no, we never. Uh, 
put junk in the paper, just sometimes you'd be amazed at how fast sometimes you have to get things together. So. Sure, that's, well, that's how good you are. Ray and I give you permission to go to the advertisingshow.com if you're ever looking for some uh, starters on some ideas. We, idea. we always we have a wealth of, uh, of uh, archived <laughs> shows that are waiting for your review, Brian. Let's talk a little bit about the upfronts. Uh, right around the corner, starting, uh, starting really at uh, early stage right now, talk about the network's preparations for uh, the upfronts and how buyers are looking at the upfronts this year, especially considering all the changes going on in the traditional media categories. Absolutely. You know, last year was kind of a, I'd say some of a watershed event in that I think the upfront was, these are, you know, upfronts are, are wacky uh, events and the numbers could be real and they could not be real. Uh, there's a lot of posturing from buyers and, and the networks. But if we got our numbers right, last year was down for the first time since 2001. Now, 2001 was a part of a, of a broader, you know, economic slump. Uh, last year, the thought was that advertisers now have so many different options, podcasts and broadband video and outdoor and in-store, that they actually have begun to move dollars from TV, which is one of the more expensive buys on the ad in the ad uh, market, uh, to cheaper things like the internet, like broadband video, like you know digital applications and, and mobile devices and cell phones and the like. And the thought that this year is that there's more of the same on the way. And the question is, I guess I think ABC is the one that's got most growth and is doing well with Grace Anatomy and all kinds of other shows. Uh, the thought is they're going to lead. The, they, and actually, they did the same thing. ABC kind of. Um, led the pricing charge, and I think they were kind of humble and took less than they could have in the, in the idea they were going to get more more volume in the uh, under the hatch before the, the whole thing closed. So it's, it's one to watch, and there, there's, a, there's a lot of digital applications that people are moving dollars to. There's a whole debate over digital video recorders, whether or not the people who watch them, when they want to watch them, are real viewers or not. And, and there's a couple of different things going on here that I think are going to make up for a very interesting uh, session. Yeah, I guess uh, last year the the networks would want you to believe that it was a bit of an anomaly that uh, that that uh, the upfronts weren't as strong as they had hoped, and this year I think will play out uh, as to whether that's actually true. Probably should have asked this question to begin with. Most of our listeners do understand the upfronts, but real real quickly, explain to uh, maybe uh, a person not in the know how the upfronts work for agencies. Oh, sure. You know what happens every year. The networks, you know, the, the cable and broadcast, quite honestly, you know, um, go to, you know, this is like, personally, like, just like the mid to late spring, have presentations of their coming fall season for prime time and other places, and they start uh, the idea that they're hoping to get commitments from advertisers uh, for, for advertising. And, uh, you know, routinely the number for the broadcast networks is about $9 billion or so for prime time. Uh, you know, uh, with uh, CBS, uh, ABC, NBC, and the large, large lion's share usually. Um, you know, the question always is, you know, uh, money promised isn't always money paid. These guys yeah. can promise to uh, secure ad time in the hot new drama of the season, and it gets pulled off the air, and the reality show gets put in its place. You know, Procter & Gamble or McDonald's or Nike can have to pull those ads off the air. We didn't buy a reality show. We bought a hot drama. So it's, uh, you know, really, really the, the, the tale isn't really told until the end of the year when the actual dollars come, 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 through, the, uh, come through the windows. And, and uh, typically the networks uh, hold back some inventory for uh, more of the last-minute buyers That's on right. into the of course, There's always people who need to buy ads, you know, on a more uh, quick basis. They, it's called scatter. as They turn a premium for because you're buying it so close to time. Um, and you, you, people often make a bet if, if it's going to be a, 
uh, will they get better prices by buying in the upfront, or do they get, get better prices by holding back and buying later on in the year? So that's always a ga- gamble that everyone contemplates. Well, I was going to say, always a gamble that uh, sometimes works in the favor of the advertiser, sometimes works against the networks. That's right. Uh, a lot of people now that they understand, but if they didn't before, how the upfronts work, uh, a lot of people may be surprised to know that there's a uh, kids' TV upfront. Uh, predominantly, certain networks, uh, cable networks, that cater to the, this particular market. Talk a little bit about the expectations this year. Sure, I think you know, it's down there by Cartoon Network, Time Warner's Cartoon Network, and Nickelodeon's of Icon from Nickelodeon. Uh, you know, they kind of go out a little ahead of everybody else. Uh, you know, it's much more limited amount of time. But at the same time, it's only a certain bunch of advertisers want to be there. I mean, if you're if you're Miller Beer, obviously it's not for you. Um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> hope not. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think you see your toy makers, some of your food advertisers, uh, that sort of thing go there. This year, the fear is that food guys are under a little bit more scrutiny about you know child obesity is kind yeah, of a right. bigger issue. And I think the Kraft Foods last year said it was going to stop advertising. The kids age six and under, I believe. Um, hmm. You know, another issue is that kids are more than any of us know how to use the internet faster than anybody else. I have a goddaughter who, when she was three, started playing with her with her VCR and knew how to operate it. So, <laughs> <God>. uh, <laughs> so you know, there are. Um, That's funny. You know, there are uh, kids are I suspect probably online a lot more uh, readily than, than even we are. They have they have all these sites they go to. So you know, I know Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network have a lot of online. They're trying to bunch. And you know, I think you'll see the networks do this as well this year, trying to sell these packages, not just TV, but online components, ringtones, or mm-hmm. uh, broadband video, and all these different extensions. But I think the Kids Up Front has these, this kind of dual thing of these scattered markets plus the scattered uh, you know, uh, media platforms and this food, food problem going on. And so I think it's going to be an interesting uh, uh, session. Has the kids' TV uh, seen the audience erosion as, uh, as general market network television has? You know, I'm hearing stuff. I'm sure there's some, but at the same time, media buyers tell me that it's harder and harder to find mass vehicles. You know, just because, like, for example, someone's saying a lot of parents like to get a VOD. They can they can have a door of the Explorer VOD with their kid whenever they want to. But at the same time, you can't put the same ad across the same VOD because one's owned by Comcast, one's done by Time Warner, one's done by Cox. And it's hard to get the ad across the entire country like that. So if you want to, also the Internet sites are going to be kind of niche. Kids like to go to their own sites that are not really built up. So uh, it depends. Uh, it's harder and harder to get a big mass ad. TV still has that kind of driving ability to put one ad in front of the uh, largest slice of the population as possible. Some things don't change. It's Brian Steinberg, advertising columnist for the Wall Street Journal. And uh, we've got Brian for a couple of hours today here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Go to theadvertisingshow.com. We want to tell you more about that in just a little while, too. It's a great resource. We'll be back in a moment with more on the Advertising Show. And now it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update wonders, can a credit card offer increase your breast size? Well, the Plastic Assets credit card offers feel-good points for each dollar spent, which can be redeemed for various surgeries such as tummy tucks, lip injections, and breast implants. Applicants sign up for various card programs ranging from the B card to the double D card. And yes, of course, this site is fake. It was created solely for the purpose of climbing to the top of the search engines, which it did, of the Huffington Post's Contagious Festival. Oh, and it also appears to be created by, or at least sponsored by, AOL, saying that their banners are plastered all over the site. And that, my friends, 
is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Hi, I'm Joe, and this is Tommy, and we love Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. All right, one more. Come on, come on. Joe and Tommy uh, found their Tony. They later started later start a movie called Brokeback Mountain together. It's wonderful. I'm so excited for him. <laughs> Brian Steinberg is our special guest this weekend out of New York. Brian is the advertising columnist for the Wall Street Journal. Brian, welcome back to the advertising show. Thanks much. Yeah, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the latest things happening in the world of media, in particular uh, News Corp. And buying MySpace.com, you would have thought was a brilliant idea a few months ago. Now we're not sure. Viacom, of course, owning Neopets, uh, the children's website. Are these media companies, Brian, expected to extend their TV programming content through these sites, or what exactly is the strategy here? I'll ask a couple of questions there. I, I think some of these websites are, are actually niche audiences. I mean, Neopets is for kids, and it's really not a, um, as far as I can tell right now, uh, a TV, a thing to watch TV, although they may, you know, create content just for the site, I'm sure. Uh, MySpace is a whole other store. It's a social networking site. Uh, I've been on it just to look around. It's really interesting, although uh, somewhat crudely, uh, it's not a lot of flash on that thing. You just kind of build your, put your picture up and, uh, mm-hmm. and some information and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think News Corp is, if you look at what they're doing, they have a thing called My Network now. You know, once uh, the CW was formed with CBS, with uh, UPN and WB, they, Fox, some of the Fox stations got left out in the cold. They've now a thing called, called, called My Network, and I think that it echoes the MySpace name. So you have to wonder if there isn't some way of linking the two. Um, it's, a good, it's a good question. I, I, these, these sites, obviously the, the web is, is a place to be right now. You're seeing a lot of big media companies try and dip their toes into it or find some way of getting onto it and then linking it to their mainstream products. Well, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, with the, you know, with the, with the MySpace.com things in the news lately, and I think everybody knows what we're talking about, sexual predators, risque content, this, this kind of thing, shouldn't have News Corp have foreseen these potential problems when doing due diligence before acquiring MySpace.com? Or wh- who, who, missed the, who missed the shot here? <laughs> I'm not Rupert Murdoch, so I don't know. But uh, I, there is a problem. I mean, you can't. Ha- I mean, it's it's not a good thing for a mainstream media company to be linked with that kind of activity. I mean, I, I, I there's a Wendy's uh, ad on there where the you know this guy Smart Square, who's one of their little icons, has been like on, in some viral videos and some commercials, has his own web page, so people can go see. It's almost like like Tony the Tiger Hat being a member of, of my MySpace in some in some sense. <laughs> and uh, these kids post pictures. They say things that have some profanity in them. You know, uh, there was, I remember we were looking at the site, and one kid's got a picture of him half naked, and the bottom picture says, you know, edited, so I won't be thrown off MySpace. <laughs> so if I'm Wendy's, Wendy's isn't known as the, the flashiest advertiser in the world, and, um, you know, they aren't uh, into the risk case. I wonder how Wendy's uh, views the uh, way the kid. you know, at the same time, these are, these are kids who they want to attract and have come eat uh, their hamburgers. So I guess you have to let the kids do whatever they want to do. Uh, and make your icon part of their lives. But it's an interesting, you know, uh, thing. These are, you know, Coke, Wendy's, you know, some Procter & Gamble. These aren't advertisers who like to uh, indulge in, uh, you know, pierced 
pierced the Aaron Pierce skin and tattoos, and this is kind of what they're getting on these on these these, these, these networking sites. Oops, well, you know it'll be interesting to keep an eye on News Corp and how they're going to be able to, if they can, make MySpace safer without losing the cool factor. And Absolutely. I mean, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. You know, back to these media giants, News Corp and Viacom buying up these uh, websites. Is this uh, from a business standpoint some? Do we see some potential in bundling uh, their ad units here? And, uh, and if so, I thought we've already tried this with tremendous failure, namely AOL and Time Warner. Yeah, there's been a lot. The cross-media buy is always kind of this legendary thing. You know, back uh, several years ago, Procter & Gamble did a huge thing with Viacom, and uh, still does, as a matter of fact, and declared that most from now on, most ad deals will be done in this fashion. And P&G, which is usually uh, quite widely followed, but it seems to have been wrong. It's not been done that way. Uh, I think Viacom has made a horror by splitting up, although they still have, they still have a cross-media sales unit. Time Warner is actually involved in this a lot more as well. They are trying to do this kind of stuff, but I think it's gone from, you know, buy a lot of our stuff, there's web channels and cable channels and TV, into what do you want us to do for you, and let's find a way to do it. You know, I think the, it used to be, let's, let's, we'll sell you CBS, but we'll sell you some midnight uh, airtime on CMT or Spike or something like that, <laughs> just to give you some, some, just to dump some bad inventory. You know, here's some beachfront property, and here's some stuff out back we can sell you as well as part of the deal. Now it seems like, you know, if you're Johnson Johnson or you're, yeah, uh, Nike. What do you need to be done? Then we can devise a program using all of our different, you know, assets to to uh, get a job done. So if you're Time Warner, you have you know comic books and you have movies and you have cable channels. Surely there's a way to kind of do a targeted buy of a couple of different things and come up with a really interesting way of reaching your your consumer. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, uh, you you wrote an outstanding article first of the year entitled uh, "As Thirty Second Spots Fades: uh, What Advertisers Will Do Next." And uh, you know, quit being such a, a cheap cheapskate out there. Subscribe at least online to the WallStreetJournal.com. There's a lot of a lot of great stuff there, and you can see Brian's uh, article in the archive there. But you basically take a, a a review of you know various things going on at that time. Again, January of '06 which wasn't that long ago, some of the more exciting ideas, uh, advertisers running ads in the Nokia th uh, theater, or not uh, running ads, but Heineken's uh, uh, beverage outlets uh, sponsorship in the Nokia theater there in, in New York City, as well as some of the ideas with mobile devices and so forth. And you mentioned uh, selling showbiz as one of your sub-categories sub, uh, here and how advertisers are seeking markets uh, new, uh, to seeing markets uh, with new TV shows and movies and songs. And uh, you mentioned how they took, uh, uh, who was it, Commander-in-Chief, I guess it was, ABC Network, and they did an uh, unusual uh, and strange way of promoting that. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. And while we well, listen you know to what, you talk, you know what, we're going to have to save it till next hour because, because it was great, such a long intro. That great question, we'll have to, <laughs> do you remember all that you said? Sure well, not really. We'll just edit it. Write it. Uh, write yeah. it down. Yeah, we'll be back. Hey, uh, we've got Brian back with us next hour here on the Advertising Show. Brian Advertising, columnist for the Wall Street Journal. And I'm sure he'll have the answer to that question and many more. I'm sure. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show.
A lot more to just feeding the old dog, isn't it, Brad? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it can get expensive as well. Mm. A classic spot from Kennel Ration, still a great uh, brand. On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, uh, we love Brian Steinberg. He's he's great. Uh, he's fun to have on the show, and you ask the world's longest question, and he'll answer it next hour. Mm-hmm. Okay? It'll be like it'll be like you know reading the next edition of the Wall Street Journal. Okay. Uh, but uh, we'll get Brian back next hour. Still to come this hour, it's our advertising showcase. This week it is good news, and uh, can't wait to hear what uh, what you've got on tap there. Um, there this is out of uh, the Business of Television Broadcasting and Cable magazine, broadcastingcable.com. Mm-hmm. It says, excuse me, total advertising expenditures climbed 4.2% in 05 over the previous year, which is good, uh, with Internet, Spanish-language TV, and cable leading the way, network and spot TV, however, lagged behind. Surprise, surprise. The hottest ad category this past year in 05, jumping 23%, 23.3, actually, followed by uh, Spanish-language TV, uh, up 16.9%. Uh, uh, excuse me, I should say the hottest ad category was online, jumping 23.3, followed yeah. by Spanish language TV, which is up 16, almost 17%. Cable, 11% up, according to a new report from the uh, Nielsen Monitor Plus. And network TV declined, on the other hand, 1.5%, which isn't a big deal. While Spot TV in the top 100 DMAs was basically flat at uh, 1% and off slightly in markets. Uh, 101 to 210, about 1.5 percent. So interesting ch- changes going on. The fact that the, the internet was up 23.3 percent gives you some indication of where those dollars were going. Yeah, and you know, no surprise there. We're talking about uh, we're going to be talking about some online things and what's the cutting edge uh, happenings out there in the world of advertising with Brian next hour. I'm sure they have uh, great things to say. You know, we talked about uh, first of the hour about. Uh, Pharmaceutical drugs and drug manufacturers, and, and apparently uh, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals and the National Advertising uh, Division (NAD) of the Council of Better Business Bureaus, which is in their enforcement division, have locked horns over Pfizer's advertising of its heartborne medication Zantac 150. The NAD takes exception to the alleged speed of the pain relief offered by the medication in the TV spot entitled Impatient Guy, and the ad a heartburn sufferer appears to get immediate relief by taking uh, Zantac, and the NAD said in a statement that it is uh, determined consumers could reasonably take away from the commercial the message that Zantac 150 works almost immediately. Pfizer, in its advertiser statement, said that it believes its advertising for Zantac is truthful and uh, non-misleading. Of course, hmm. what else are they going to say? But, you yeah. know, you know, I think it. You know, I'm familiar with that uh, with that particular spot, and I, I tend to concur with the uh, NAD in that it does give the impression that it it will uh, you know act faster than it really does, and there's no major disclaimer. Uh, you know, like we usually get blurred vision, headache, diarrhea, as we talked about yeah, the first things of the that year. make you want to feel good to take it right. Exactly, and it does give the impression that it works immediately, and I kind of uh, you know I kind of agree with. Hmm. Uh, with the Better Business Bureau's take on that. Although I'm not a big fan of the Better Business Bureau because it is their members that fund the Better Business Bureau. So when you complain to those folks, they send a little note to their member Mm -hmm. to say, would you fill this out and tell us why this person's complaining about you? And, you know, what do they want to do? You know, fire their member? No, they need them to continue to pay dues. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a weird organization. It's a double-edged sword is what you're suggesting. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And speaking of double-edged swords... 
what does it take to get television uh, p- uh, people to watch a television commercial these days? And the, uh, you pay them. You pay okay. A bucket full of one hundred dollar bills, a gun <laughs> pointed at their head, free food, or all of the above. And the answer, judging by the response to a recent KFC ad, is free food. Well, oh. Okay, free food. The fast food uh, chain, I didn't see this designed to circumvent Madison Avenue's latest uh, nemesis, the uh, DVRs, that make it easy for viewers to skip the ads. Uh, the ad ran nationally Feb to, uh, 23rd to March 3rd on network and cable. Had some something extra for people who actually watch the TV. Uh, the TV set hooked up to a DVR. A single frame contained a code word. In this particular case, it was Buffalo. Uh, which viewers could uh, use to claim a coupon for a free buffalo snack or KFC chicken sandwich. Only viewers who use the DVR or an analog video cassette recorder to slow the ad and watch it frame by frame could see the code. So isn't that interesting? They're taking they're, they're taking uh, lemons and making lemonade out of this thing. How about that? That is cool. I thought they had some problem with uh, acceptance of that particular spot. They, apparently, they got it got it accepted somewhere. Oh, they it was a, one of the networks uh, didn't accept it, but I think the others did. Is what happened. Okay. Well, they said the idea worked as well. Uh, One hundred and three thousand people claimed Buffalo Snacker coupons. After entering the hidden code uh, on the uh, KFC website, so they were doing something smart there as well too. So yeah, you know it's good. And nobody got bird flu. That's that's a good thing. <laughs> on the advertising show, the advertising showcase is on the way, and uh, we invite you to stay with us for the rest of this hour into next hour, where we'll bring back Brian Steinberg, the advertising columnist for the Wall Street Journal. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Cut. Reload. That's a complicated-looking machine, isn't it? Funny thing is, a lot of people still think... And Dick Van Dyke is not talking about a VCR. He's talking about a Kodak camera, uh, mm-hmm. selling Kodak cameras there. Advertising shows, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, theadvertisingshow.com, a great destination. If you want to find out more about marketing and advertising, tell your friends about it and take advantage of the uh, podcast and the RSS feeds as well. It's jam-packed with a whole bunch of good information. We uh, welcome back uh, Brian Steinberg, uh, a columnist uh, with the Wall Street Journal advertising columnist. That's why he's on the advertising show, you see. If he was like the car columnist, he would be on the car show, you know? But we have, uh, right right now, we have the upside of advertising. It's called the Advertising Showcase, and we do that every week for you here. And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff. Here's Ray and Brad. So what is that I see there today? Well, are you? if I were to say, um, let's see, how can I tease you on this? If I were to say priceless, what would you say? Priceless, yeah. Um, uh, not it's Visa, no, no, whatever. Mastercard, Mastercard, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, they have an outstanding idea here that uh, if you saw the break on this during the uh, 78th Academy Awards, uh, what was that? Uh, I guess February. Right. But they uh, broke this spot. This is a new version of of what they're doing right now, and it basically is a spot entitled Sailboat. It's TV spot. And it's out of uh, McCann Erickson, New York. And, uh, by the way, Jeff uh, Joyce King Thomas, the chief creative 
officer with uh, McCann, I guess, gets credit, but, but we also know that the ACD and art director, Chris Serretta, is the one that's really working there. But uh, in any event, uh, the spot opens, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to take you through the whole thing, but you'll get the idea here. The spot opens with a view of a lake at sunset. A man is in his sailboat, and a MasterCard logo appears at the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. A voiceover announcer says, blank. $52. Next, you see someone rowing in a canoe. Announcer says, blank, blank, $129. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we see a man who reaches into his pocket pulling out a letter uh, with several stamps on it, and he hands it to the man in the sailboat. Voiceover says, blank, $40. And this goes on until we get to the end of the spot where the voiceover announcer says, uh, priceless in reaction to a person that's uh, 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 coming up to hand them a, uh, what is this here? A voiceover goes blank, 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 and then the sailboat tosses the letter aside, dives in the lake, and the uh, voiceover announcer says priceless, and finally it says, write your own MasterCard ad. Voiceover Mm -hmm. announcer says, just fill in the blanks at priceless.com, we'll air the best one, and the spot ends. Now, what I think is exciting here, and what I've seen written about this, Ray, uh, some writers think that the ad is MasterCard's way of wanting people to simply write an ad to help them out with their commercial. And those who believe this, of course, are totally missing the point. The strategy, right. in my opinion here, Ray, is that MasterCard accomplishes uh, several things with this strategy. First, it engages the consumer with a, a, a deep connection to the brand and the brand message. Secondly, it creates a consumer buzz for all those who participate uh, in developing the ad and for those who may uh, know someone or think that they know someone who might want to develop a MasterCard ad. It gets talked about and so forth. The buzz conversations, as you can imagine, go something like, hey, did you hear about that MasterCard TV spot? Yeah, well, I've, I've gone to Priceless.com. I've submitted my idea. Oh, really? Well, Judy over there, she's in advertising or always wanted to be. Why don't you have her to, you know, so on and so sure, forth. Yeah. And finally, the idea that there is an ROI measurement device with uh, gauging site traffic that they're sending to Priceless.com is a is another uh, component uh, in developing this campaign. And, of course, all the PR buzz that will come about when the newly created spot airs and whoever created it, it creates it. But I think the uh, the great idea here is, uh, uh, and by the way, when you go to Priceless.com, which I needed to check out uh, just to make sure that they had all, all bases covered, you, you go to uh, the homepage there and it says, write a Priceless ad. And it shows the two ads that you would have seen, one of the two. Mm-hmm. And you can click play and uh, view the ad if you want. So that's a way to be able to deliver traffic to the uh, site. And you would not have to have seen the ad, but they'll give you a, a, you know, a review of the same uh, TV spot because right there it is posted on the, on the page there. Sure. And then it says, uh, very easy to understand, get started button there, where, right above where each of the uh, screens are on the uh, website. Uh-huh. And so you click on Get Started, and you go to the next page. And, again, it's really simple to understand. It says Line 1, and then the answer says $9. Line 2, $60. Line 3, $120. Uh, line 4, Priceless. Uh, and there's something things you uh, money can't buy for everything else. There's MasterCard. But, uh, you know, it, it's really... I'm, uh, do I say the word dumbed down? I'll just say that it's it's very simple to follow, sure. and it's easy to participate. And so it's a well-done uh, website that supports the TV campaign. And it's a TV campaign that in, that encourages uh, uh, viewers to get involved in the brand and get involved in truly a uh, – 
uh, a TV campaign that's run for years and highly associated with uh, the MasterCard brand. And now all of a sudden you too can be a participant in developing uh, an ad for MasterCard. So I think uh, on behalf of uh, uh, MasterCard, McKenna Erickson was allowed the opportunity to do a great idea there by MasterCard, a great client, and it's a great idea, I think. All the pieces fell into place as well. The puzzle fit together in terms of the... uh, of the uh, the advertising, the website, the participation, and uh, yeah. a great product, too. And it also hit the nail on the head because it's an emotional benefit. And that's what it's all about, selling products. I, I don't think a lot of advertisers understand that uh, completely. Uh, many right. do, but uh, some don't, especially on the local level where you... Uh, they don't get the fact that, you know, they don't want to know. As Brian as Brian uh, was talking about before, how the sausage is made, they don't care how you make your sausage. <laughs> All they care about is whether it uh, tastes good and they enjoy it or it gives them a good feeling. So that's, uh, or, that's well or, done. Or it goes well with beer, in the case of sausage. Sausage, yes, it certainly does. Jalapeno sausage, yeah, actually, it's good. <laughs> so uh, more with Brian Steinberg on the way next hour. Patrick Meyer, the marketing insider, has... X marks the spot is his topic. We've got Jeffrey Gittimer on the way, too. Now, actually, uh, do we? No, we've got Andy Borowitz on the way. Excuse me. No, J- Gittimer is coming up here in a little while. Yeah. Make him laugh, he says. That'll be interesting. Andy Borowitz, uh, there's a new Pentagon spokesperson, if you haven't heard. And, of course, uh, more with Brian Steinberg, the advertising uh, columnist with the Wall Street Journal at WSJ.com. The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. We invite you to visit them online at adage.com. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here with more and an invitation to come back next hour. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hour number two of The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit AdAge online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And uh, we welcome back Brian Steinberg, the advertising columnist with the Wall Street Journal. Always got a lot of great things to say, and we, we find out so much from this guy uh, every time we talk with him. So it's nice that he's able to spend some time this weekend with us here at The Advertising Show. Patrick Meyer just ahead in a couple of minutes. Andy Borowitz as well. So uh, And Jeffrey Gittimer, too. Funny guy. Jeffrey knows how to talk to a crowd. Maybe that's why he's paid so ridiculously much every time he goes out and talks to a crowd, you know? Yeah. Um, let's talk about tweens. <laughs> tweens. Yeah. The new mantra of the music industry, don't trust anybody over, what, what did it used to be, over 30? Back yeah. when we were kids, right? Right. Uh, don't trust anyone over 16. Kids are a <laughs> potent new army of music fans, a trend. That became obvious a few weeks ago. This is from uh, the Associated Press and the Seattle Times, a trend that became obvious a few weeks ago when the top three discs of the Billboard album chart were likely bought with allowance money. Go figure. Hmm. Uh, The three big hits soundtrack to the Disney Channel movie High School Musical, the ninth volume of the popular Kids Bop series, and the laconic good time cheer of Jack Johnson's Curious George soundtrack. Uh, so things are really rocking over at Disney, uh, and, and big time for them as well. 
You know, have you heard? Uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Jack Johnson. Have you heard any of his his music? No, I haven't. No, it's uh, if you it's very uh, unique and unusual, and it's uh, lyrics that are uh, you know provocative from a thinking standpoint, and you actually mm-hmm. can understand what the guy's uh, singing about, and mm-hmm. it's just a really good stuff. What, uh, what is he Jack- targeting? What age group? <clears throat> young, young, or what? Oh no, no, he he. Uh, I would say. Um, no, it just so happens his most recent uh, CD has some uh, children's songs on it. But mm-hmm. uh, the CDs prior to that, uh, he, he's originally out of uh, Oahu, uh, Hawaii, as a matter of fact. And he uh, he has done very well. And his other music, I would say, uh, it's probably a 30-plus 30, a 30 market, oh, okay. would be my, right. my guess. But it's more acoustical and guitar uh not all acoustical, but that's it, uh, guitar with lyrics that you can understand and, you know, that kind of thing. That's sweet. Uh, yeah. Here's another thing. There's a, there's a new group called Devo 2.0, uh, <laughs> and it's a Disney release as well. It's uh, the rock band's music with younger players. Uh, the new face of Devo is a perky blonde named Nicole Stower, along with four other teens uh, pulled from Disney's casting department. Uh, you know, the original Devo was from Akron, Ohio. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh was the lead guy on there. And Mothersbaugh, who's now 55, by the way, Brad, he's older than we are, thank God, hmm. has forged a lucrative second career as a composer for film and television soundtracks with a long-term relationship with Disney. So I'm sure he had something to do with Devo 2.0. Isn't that cool? That is cool. So the kids, the kids got the kids have cash. Can we take a break just so we and make sure we have time for Patrick Meyer here? Sure. And uh, we'll come back with more here on the advertising show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. There's this amazing phenomenon going on in client land. It's a big black X stamped on the forehead of chief marketing officers and smart marketers that work for them. It's something I'm seeing that I'm propagating and all of us that now have believed for years. It's experiential marketing. But no, not as you know it. Most people think experiential is doing cool events. Now, experiential marketing is putting a bit of experience into every marketing element. Before I go any further, let me tell you, this freaks out your CFO. The idea of trying to create an experience every place the brand is can be more expensive because it takes more time and more effort, more agency effort, but it's where you need to be. So as soon as you hear experiential marketing, think do less better, but do it with impact. Here's a new way to think about your marketing components by putting big X into each one of them, making them more experiential. If you're doing TV, make sure that you've got SMS, website, digital crawl, something to get the consumer involved. Going after reach and frequency and eyeballs is outdated, doesn't work. Involve them in a different way. Be more innovative with your media and TV. In radio, how do you get people, as they're driving along, to call with their cell phone to get information or do something that will take action and have an experience coming back to them? Next place, print. How do you bring more dimension, more involvement through innovation and creativity to your print? Your brand package, if you have one, however your packages are served up, how do you reinvent that experience to make it more fun? Thinking about ways to make your brand more alive, more experiential. Another way is to let consumers customize your product. Big theme for marketers and advertisers should be my product. How can I customize it? Can I pick out different versions to take home? How can I make my own product? How can it become mine? I'm Patrick Meyer. And remember, 
the marketing revolution is now. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. Always good uh, commentary from Patrick Meyer here at The Advertising Show. X marks the spot. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Brian Steinberg on the way, and he'll be with us uh, in just a few minutes uh, here. Uh, for his uh, second or his actually third segment here on the Advertising Show, Advertising Columnist for the Wall Street Journal. And uh, what do you have there? Well, I was wondering, did you, uh, are you a, you're a big fan of the old Seinfeld series, of course. Sure. Great did show. You ever, did you ever wonder where the soup Nazi is located in New York? I think I read something about that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, to, to feed the growing hunger for a lot of different uh, subject matter you see on, t on TV, fans are creating websites called mashups with details about the uh, programs that they're watching, including uh, pinpointing exactly where on maps key events in the shows happened and mm -hmm. hometowns right, of right, uh, right. hometowns of reality show stars. The makers of these fan sites are doing it more than anything just because they have a passion uh, for the shows that they're they're covering and enthusiast of uh, the program 24 the sopranos uh American Idol and other shows are tracking the movements of their TV heroes via high-tech maps. And uh, mashups are, are one of the Web 2.0 tools, uh, Ray, fueling the grassroots development phenomenon that's uh, giving ordinary web surfers the, the power to share information and to create online applications without having necessarily programming skills. But uh, it's quite a phenomenon that, uh, you know, that people are taking upon themselves to uh, create these sites and uh, mm -hmm. share information. I think again, I think the big risk is there's uh, you know some potential uh, risk of getting slapped with a lawsuit for infringing on copyrights for the exactly. companies that they're covering. I can but, only uh, think of stalking as being one of those things. Or, I think there's a trade-off where the TV uh, or the production company or the network decides, you know, we can let them talk about the show. Yeah, uh, and as long as they're not doing it in a disparaging way, you know, why not? Versus, uh, you know, trying to protect your your copyright or your trademark. But that's going to be something hard to patrol, though, no doubt about it. it it's hard to patrol, and it's a hard and it's a hard. It's you struggle with the trade off. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I think more and more we'll see in the future where, uh, you know, you got to let you got to let go and uh, give a little uh, give a little on your copyright to be able to get more kids and people to pass it along through the internet. Absolutely. Brian Steinberg back with us here in just a moment on the Advertising Show for a couple of segments, and we invite you to stay with us, too, with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. This is the year of the lark. The lark is the car of the year. Look what's new for you from the lark. It's The Advertising Show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. And uh, the lark is our special door prize for Brian tonight. He'll have a lark waiting outside of the studio door for him to take home. It's a 1959 lark. It's wonderful. Brian Steinberg is back with us this hour on the Advertising Show. Brian is the advertising columnist for the Wall Street Journal. And if you were with us in Episode 1, you uh, remember a question, or at least hopefully you remember the question. More importantly, hopefully Brian knows the answer to the question. Uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show, Brian. Good to have Thanks you Thanks very much. 
Yeah, let me remind everyone, there there was a, an outstanding article uh, first of the year that uh, Brian wrote as 30-second spots fades, uh, what advertisers will do next. And it hits upon more of the uh, innovative ideas that are being utilized out there beyond traditional uh, channels. And one of the ideas that you highlight was how some of the showbiz entities out there, TVs, movies, and, and songs, are exploring uh, new media. And in particular, uh, you mentioned about how ABC uh, bought newspaper ads in the form of political cartoons for Commander-in-Chief, which, incidentally, is, since writing this article, has now been canceled. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, was that, a, uh, was that just an innovative uh, attempt on ABC to try to get some activity going for uh, some interest for Commander-in-Chief, or was it a last-ditch effort? You know, I think what's going on is I think it's harder and harder to tell people what's on TV, what albums are available, what movies are out there. Uh, people are scattered more and more. The time was they used to, you know, use the radio for, for music or used to use uh, Thursday night broadcast TV to tell what movies were out there, and people just aren't there anymore, or, or they're, they're, they're in much smaller niches. So I think there's kind of this burgeoning new category of advertising for entertainment. You know, uh, if you're you know, ABC and, uh, you know, Capitol Records are advertisers too, just like, like Nike or Coke. And they have a project out there and they need to tell, tell people about. So it's really interesting in that um, it's hard and hard to get, get this news out to the mass populace. So I think you're seeing more creative ideas come out of ABC. They have interesting websites that don't use the TV show's names, using guerrilla marketing, using unique ads and newspapers to get people's attention about these programs and these pieces of entertainment that are out there. Yeah, I want to uh, before I uh, before I ask you about a, a, a category also in this article about buying the whole thing. I'm I'm curious, uh, which is where a particular company dominates a particular uh, uh, vehicle, communication vehicle. But before we do that, uh, Brian, are, are we still struggling with all of these innovative ideas? A metric, uh, a, a universal metric to gauge the effectiveness of these non-traditional innovative media strategies? Absolutely, you see, it's hard. I mean, the internet, you have click-throughs. But I think people really want to know is, uh, did this ad sell my stuff? And mm-hmm. it's harder to trace that kind of, it's hard to link those two. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the holding companies are trying to come up with a lot of data and economic analysis and weird analytics that they can't explain in English to you. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, that's a bigger thing now. But it's true. I mean, the problem is you, 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 have, you have podcasts and, and web video, and how do you measure whether the ad worked or not? At the same time, I think we're finding that a lot of the old measurements, your, your Nielsen numbers and your circulation figures, aren't as reliable or as telling as they once were. People don't want to know how many people saw my show or my ad. They want to know how many people saw my ad and bought, bought my product. And that's, that's a harder link to make. So, yeah, measurement's becoming a, a really hot issue these days. Don't you find that it's interesting? I'm going to get back to the whole thing idea in a second. But don't you find it interesting, Brian, that the advertisers are... I guess either so done with the traditional media channels that they're willing to take a risk, so to speak, and do something different, even though we're still struggling with metrics to gauge effectiveness. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is very telling. It, I, we meet the talk with one CMO at the paper recently who said that uh, they might fail with some of these new things, but they have to try. They have to see what if it works and what it does for them. They feel it's the only response. It's a responsible thing to do. And actually, frankly, it doesn't cost them like they, they can take and pull like you know. One percent of TV budget and get uh, tons and tons of this stuff anyway. Check it so, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, let's so, talk a little uh, bit it, about it, some. It, 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 it can seem to work for some reason. 
Yeah, well, and again, if you if you if you don't have a metric yet, then it'll work if you say it did, I suppose. But yeah. uh, <laughs> in any event, uh, in your article, you mentioned Philips Electronics, American Express, and Target, both being three examples of how they dominated a particular uh, uh, a communication uh, entertainment vehicle with a, a unique way of advertising. Talk a little bit about some of these ideas. Yeah, I think we're seeing more advertisers discover that, you know, why should they scatter ads in various shows when they can make a big splash in one media venue? I mean, I think the New Yorker's uh, use of Target or vice versa this past summer was very unique. Target bought the entire magazine rather than just buying one page. And they really made a, a show by commissioning artwork in every page they bought that featured the Target logo. That's pretty smart. It caused some controversy, but at the same time, it uh, you know got noticed. I think Phillips also did this thing recently where they bought an entire episode of 60 Minutes and gave some time back to the show for longer news segments. You remember who did that for you. So mm-hmm. there's this interest. I think the, the other side, we're going to see a lot of advertisers start to generate their own content, their own programming, that they're going to then sell to networks to air along with some innovative advertising. What was so, that? Go ahead. You go, you go ahead. What, so what, was the, what was the negative press on the Target stuff, though? What, you know what so I, I guess the Chicago, one of the Chicago Sun-Times, that columnist, the task, you know, this isn't it's an editorial, it's a blurring editorial and advertising. There are some rules at the Magazine Editors Association about letting readers know up front that, that you know, the, the, the book's being sponsored by a single single, single advertiser. Oh. And I don't think New Yorker did the outside reprimand, but, you know, it is, it is innovative and print does need to try and come up with some new techniques yeah. to get noticed, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, and just to clarify, the uh, New Yorker, the ads for the New Yorker that Target created, uh, we're all of the red bullseye logo. Right. So who who would be you know not figuring that out, especially a sophisticated <laughs> hard, hard reader? Out. Who would who wouldn't be able to determine who was doing the advertising? Thing? Well, Those especially a sophisticated well a sophisticated reader of the New Yorker, especially. I mean, I don't, I don't get yeah. that. And you know, real quickly, uh, Phillips Electronics tried to do some in, in theater. Uh, advertising, and Ray reported about this uh, several weeks ago, and it, it backfired a bit on uh, on them. Talk a little bit about this, real quick. Yeah, this is where we did the journal, where we found out that Phillips tried to, you know, these ads before movies really annoy a lot of people. Once the lights go down, they want to see their movie. They feel they they paid for it, ten dollars, eight, ten, nine dollars, and um, they feel they deserve to see a film, not wallow through, you know, ten, fifteen commercials and then ten trailers. Phillips tried to do this thing that we found out about, where they. Um, we're going to run an ad. They bought four minutes of ad time in the theaters, but we're only going to run a 15-second ad saying, hey, we know you want your life made more simple, and here we're, we're doing it for you. But it turns out the people who own the ad, who sell the ad time, thought that Phillips was making fun of movie ads. You can't do that. Have it for fun, you know? <laughs> so the, the deal did not go through, but someone told us about it anyway. It's a notion of pe- really, a lot of companies are trying to find new ways of using traditional advertising opportunities to make a big splash. And, you know, uh, you guys did a great job of covering that, and it was a March, uh, what is this, March 7th issue of the Wall Street Journal, and the the uh, Phillips message was simple in that one slide said, we could have run an entire minute commercial. Instead, we chose simplicity, Phillips, sense, and simplicity, and the, it was rejected, and the fine folks at Screen Vision, we have to thank for that, and yet the Screen Vision exec says, we're still trying to work with them to see if we can't continue dialogue, which is uh, code for for trying to salvage the business, I, I suppose. Let's pull our foot out of our mouth. Something yeah, mouth. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Steinberg is our special guest here on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And we'll have him back uh, for one more segment here at theadvertisingshow.com. 
great website to go to. You can check out a whole bunch of uh, information about advertising and marketing. It's also the place for podcasts, RSS feeds, and the like. And that's uh, thanks to our good friends uh, here in our home market of Houston at uh, Shipple.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Ed Shipple is a web marketing company. He does a great job for us. He can do a great job for you, too. Check it out, Shipple.com. It's the Advertising Show. We'll be back with more in just a minute. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Hey, Mr. Sales Professional. If your entire sales talk is professional, you're likely to lose to somebody whose talk is 50% professional and 50% friendly combined with funny. Friendly and funny are a thousand times more engaging than professional. If you doubt it, take a look at any late night TV host. Are they professional or funny? How much are they making? How much are you making? Now, I don't mean to compare your sales presentation to a, a David Letterman monologue, but I'm going to compare the way you think you have to present versus the way your prospective buyer would like to be presented to. Personally, I've incorporated sales talk with funny talk for the last 30 years, and not only has it made me a ton of sales, it's also made me a ton of friends, and it will do the same for you. If you can make them laugh, you can make them buy. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will pour. Must say something more somehow. And I think uh, we probably only have one, so just pass it around, Brad, okay? Thank you very <laughs> much. Uh, the Advertising Show is Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth, and our special guest is Brian Steinberg, advertising columnist for the Wall Street Journal, back with us for one more segment. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and uh, gearing up for today's uh, interview, I was reading some of your old articles, Brian, and Don't one, I just... <laughs> well, mo- most of them I'd already read. I was the just reminding you wrote in myself. High school, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, and by the way, since you bring it up, guess what happens, Ray, when you Google Brian Steinberg? Number one. Yeah. Uh, number one uh, uh, result when you Google Brian Steinberg is yes. his appearance in November of uh, uh, 2004 on the advertising show presented by AdRag.com, uh, I think, which is a, a website out of uh, of. Uh, Holland, I believe. Somewhere over there, yeah. Yeah. So it's good to know that, uh, you know, you can run, but you can't hide, Brian. Uh, (laughs) But uh, in in one of your articles, uh, one of the guys here, Josh Rabinowitz, who is the director of music for WPP uh, WPP Groups Gray Worldwide, uh, mentions that he 
has been on a quest and that he wants to be able to make a hit record out of a song that first appears in a commercial. And uh, Josh, if you're listening, about 10 years ago, Andrea Bocelli, who was a well-known Italian uh, singer, uh, was included in a, ba- a Bellagio TV spot, and uh, his particular uh, CD, Romanza, became a uh, hit CD, and the song, Conta Partiro, which means uh, Time for Us to Part, uh, became a hit, uh, a hit song. So it's already been done, Josh, but you can keep trying. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, uh, the Oscars this year. Uh, the particular audience, obviously, that they're tar- targeting is sophisticated women, but, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I assume that the large, uh, portion of advertisers you would think would be crafting messages specifically for the upscale female, but as I look back on the Oscars, I don't really recall any standouts for uh, for uh, female appeal there. W- 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 did I miss it, or do they not gear up as much as they do for special events like the Super Bowl, or what, what's going on here, Brian? There's some for Tab Energy and Diet Coke I recall seeing, but uh, you know, I, these big events, there's a big question these days whether they're worth it or not. I think there's, you know, as people have DVRs and splinter around from watching TV, Usually, anger events that everyone was supposed to tune into. At the same time, ratings are going down for these things, as they've been going down for a lot of broadcast network stuff over the over the years. And so, uh, you're not, they are what they once were. So at the same time, they're they're all you can get hold of at the same time. So it's a uh, it's a weird kind of dual uh, thing going on. Well, staying with the uh, qualitative aspects of an audience, uh, you know, NASCAR season is here and. Uh, the audience actually wants to watch the live events for these particular uh, sporting events, yet advertisers have been a bit slow in taking advantage of this venue. Is it because of the stigma that one associates with the typical NASCAR viewer that has uh, interest waning a little bit and having advertisers uh, holding back? Yeah, NASCAR's you know, been changing its image over the last several years. It's not all uh, chewing tobacco and, and beer anymore. It's, you know, there's a lot of B2B advertising going on here. There's a lot of stuff going on at the at the events themselves, um, so I, I think we're just starting to see the the the, the you know over the last five seven years we've seen, we've seen this huge uh, I think uh, awareness shift of, of what NASCAR is and the kind of audience that it brings in. And as this sport expands, you know, to new venues and probably and outside the southeast, I think you're going to see a, a lot of different stuff going on. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I assume you were at the uh, 4A's conference this year, March 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a good excuse to screw off for several uh, days, right, Brian? Uh, anyway, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the conference. Uh, what do you recall of where the highlights or hot topics that were discussed at this year's event? Well, actually, uh, one of the hot topics really was uh, do media and creative belong together or apart? We had done a story at the journal about this topic, and we actually uh, uh, fortuitously timed it for the first day of the conference, and I think a lot of the media guys uh, or we're horrified. Yeah, you know, this is the notion that you know, this is the people who create the ads uh, work under the same roof as the people who place the ads. And uh, as you probably know, with with the world splintering the way it is, play, getting, getting the ads in the right environment has taken on a whole new meaning and a whole new level of importance. That's a, a job that used to be like the, the third tier job of the traditional ad agency. These media guys worked down in the basement or the other floor and, and got involved. You know, only after the campaign had been devised. They had a slogan was, was created or a character. And then, they, hey, guys, go buy the uh, ads that these guys, that the, uh, the places should appear in. Uh, no longer. The media has been taken out of the traditional ad agency. It's a big operation. These guys buy billions of dollars of, of TV ad time and radio ad time, et cetera, 
every year. And on top of that, they've gained expertise in placing ads on cell phones, on, you know, on the Internet, doing word-of-mouth advertising. And I think these, these traditional ad agencies, who have really been floundering around for the last couple of years, once some of that back in, under the same roof. They can have some, some of that luster back. Makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. We just have a, a short time left here. Katie Couric, uh, is she going to CBS News or staying with the Today Show? What do you think? Uh, the rumor has it, everyone thinks she's going to CBS. I don't know what's going on. I'm not the TV reporter, but it seems like there's a lot of smoke, so it must be some fire. Yeah. Well, you know, we had... Uh, Alex Ben Block from Television Week on several months ago, and he said Katie's uh, staying with Today Show. Uh, Ray and I said that she's going she's to gone. CBS Evening she's News, gone. and uh, it looks like she's maybe gone. It won't be for a, it won't be for a raise in salary. It'll be because of a lifestyle change, I think. But uh, ABC Good Morning America TV host uh, Charlie Gibson, I guess what, is now going to World News tonight. That's another another talk as well. There are other two anchors have had obviously some 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 life some life life issues and uh, you know it's it's uh, AB, you know this 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 whole future of the network newscast is under uh, consideration as well. So you need a central figure. And Bob Schieffer seems to have pulled off for CBS at least in the, in the interim. And we're seeing what's going to happen. What's going to happen with these guys? Buy the paper or go to the website. Oh, do both. Okay, it's wsj.com. Brian Steinberg, always a pleasure to have you here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Just Brian. a minute with more on the advertising show. You're listening to the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp, and listen, Mister. How you fix the advertising show? Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and uh, a, a man of. Many words, because he is able to say those many words uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. Brian Steinberg, thanks for being on the show today, advertising columnist, Wall Street Journal. Alan Adamson is going to be ne- with us next week, and we'll tell you more about Alan in uh, just a few minutes here. And uh, let's see, well, still to come, Andy Borowitz on the way, too, a new Pentagon spokesperson. The spokesperson that's currently there has had a few problems, so uh, Andy has a solution, as he always does every week. Yeah, what are you? Uh, what are you looking at there? Are you a big fan of uh, March Madness? No, me neither. No, I and really don't care. It's just an excuse for most car dealers to have a sales event. <laughs> I, I happen to have uh, <laughs> stores. Uh, what else is there? Well, I saw one the other day I'd never seen before. It wasn't in our home market newspaper; it was a different paper, but a jewelry store had a March Madness sale. Oh, how nice! I'd never thought of that before, but I guess you could. Damn, is that original? Well, it's such a lame excuse, you know. It just goes to show you how stupid your customers must be if they fall for that. But in any event, uh, college basketball fans flocked to the Internet during the uh, first two days of March Madness, according to Comscore's Media Metrics. Uh, nearly 8 million, Ray, visitors accessed, uh, accessed NCAA's men's college basketball content, uh, representing 7.2% of all Internet users in the country that particular day. Wow. Uh, the trend continued uh, through Friday, though the numbers dropped slightly. The study measured traffic to leading sports sites, including NCAAsports.com, ESPN, CBS Sportsline, Yahoo Sports, AOL Sports, Fox Sports, and MSN. Hmm. Okay. So uh, I, I thought that was pretty uh, pretty, uh, pretty major. There 7.2% of all Internet users 
on that particular day in the country, in the mm-hmm. U.S., visited a site uh, pertaining to NCAA's men's uh, college basketball content. And Brian was talking about metrics and such. Uh, it seems to me it's relatively uh, a lot easier to measure things like that just by oh, hits. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, I mean, seriously, you get in the past you had to wait for people to come into the store and buy something. Now it's just a click away. And yeah. talk about a perfect way to to gauge uh, an immediate response. Did you know how many uh, baby boomers will be turning 60? The first wave turned 60 this year, okay? That's uh, George Bush and uh, Clinton and some others, right? Exactly. Of mm. the nation's 76 million boomers, 2.8 million will turn 60 this year, and I'm glad I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. 17.8 million more will be by 2011, which will be me. Uh, uh, add that to the 55 million Americans already over 60, and the numbers promise a lucrative target audience for decades to come. Brad, you remember so many years ago when you, um, w- with respect to a radio station, if you were a 35-plus radio station, you were out of luck. Oh, Nobody yeah. wanted to buy you. Right. Uh, and uh, how times have changed, huh? Right. Uh, so, well, I mean, there's a sizable audience there that you just described, and uh, you know the days of, uh, and we've reported uh, this this point here on the advertising show frequently, and that is, young people today are not as brand conscious as conscious as they were at one time, and not as brand loyal. Uh, and as a result, uh, you know, you go where the numbers are and where the people are, and it could be argued that uh, baby boomers have have already developed their habits and their align uh, their loyalties to a particular brand. But uh, on the other hand, you know, brand loyalties can be changed, and minds can be changed, and. Uh, I think more more marketers today are looking at the uh, baby boomer market than they once mm-hmm. did, just because of sheer numbers, as you point out, Ray. You know, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff there, as they say as well. Boomers don't perceive themselves as old. We are boomers, and I'll say that uh, we feel that way, too. They, we feel seven to ten years younger than we are. I say that's true. Uh, marketing to the audience will demand finesse. Well, marketing to any audience demands finesse. Sure. Uh, they have curves fitness centers, which I don't think is a very cool place, but that's okay. Women's clothier Chico's in the Dodge Charger, marketing to boomers. Uh, let's see, curves, curves is for older women, uh, but not for rocking chair grandmas, they say. <laughs> and here's one, the 3M company. A gentleman at 3M is working to deal with a road system that will be filled with drivers in their 70s and 80s. God help us all. Uh, so anyway, uh, well, fifty-five is the new twenty-five. They say, yeah, that's great. Which, which means I can't buy liquor almost. <laughs> you get the three-two beer, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> or do you, did you ever hear that before? Three-two. Oh, beer? sure. The okay. three-two is the old beer that uh, you could buy on Sunday or right. in certain states uh, right, at the age right. of eighteen. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that, Ray, and many of our audience may not know this, is. Uh, that beer back then, and we're talking, what, 25, 30 years ago. Exactly. That beer back then is what is commonly known today as light, light beer. beer. Yeah. yeah. Or low-carb beer or something like that. Yeah, that too. So, so now you know. Uh, let's see. We have uh, more to come. you doggone right we do, and we'll tell you who's going to be on the show next week as well. As we continue with the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Ella Fitzgerald, 
she's attempting to shatter a glass with her amplified voice. She did it. Well, there goes my glass. Oh, well, that's the way it mm. goes. Uh, Memorex is the, uh, uh, the classic spot that Ella sang on. What a great spot. Television spot, too. It's neat to how it translates to radio. We uh, want to say thank you again to Brian Steinberg for being with us, who's the advertising columnist at the Wall Street Journal. It's a great paper. It has always been and continues to be. Uh, Alan Adamson with us next week, um, managing director at Lander out of New York, and we'll look forward to finding out a little bit more about that company as well. Did you ever wonder why uh, Ella Fitzgerald's uh, bottle, uh, pop bottle glasses that she wore during that Memorex spot didn't break as well? You, you know, about that? come to think of it, that's a good question. I don't know yeah. why. Well, they had that uh, crystal wine glass just sitting right there in front of that uh, speaker. <laughs> and I thought, well, she's not that far away herself. Plus, the, the the voice is coming right there from her face, so I don't know. How interesting. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Something to ponder. Well, you got to be a little kid sitting on a couch to think about that. I guess so. You thought about it back then, or you just thought of it recently? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave that to your imagination. Okay. I'd say recently, probably, out on the porch, <laughs> yeah. uh, looking at the water. Right. Um, uh, this is from uh, Ad Age out of L.A. this past week. Uh, a majority, uh, basically 57% of teens aged 13 to 17 now have a cell phone. 57% of teens wow. 13 to 17 have cell phones. That is far below 80% of adults, 18-plus, who own a phone still uh, for a glimpse of the future. Look no further than Generation Wireless is what they're calling it. Huh. Um, uh, cell phone users 13 to 17 connected to their phones by ear, eye, touch, like no other age group. They are far more likely than other demographic groups to use a, a broad range of cell phone data services, and they'll be the first in line to try emerging offerings like cell phone television. Yeah. So we're not the only ones that are uh, crazy about uh, cell phones. Of course, we you use have a uh, business as well. But uh, do you have picture uh, capability on your? Did you get a new cell phone? Right? No, I never did. Uh, no, my dear cell phone company. Um, won't Yours work still has me. a dial on the front. It does. It? It's a little dial. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> they won't. They won't work with me, and I'm not going to say who they are. I'll go uh, ahead. Okay. Verizon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you said that. And uh, uh, no, like, no, Mr. Shellens, you're not due for another phone until uh, December. It's like, uh, but my phone's broken. Well, we'll sell you this $9 phone for $149. <laughs> yeah. And it's right. like, oh, yeah, I'll take two at that price. That's yeah. great. Right. So thanks to Verizon. And plus and, sign a one-year uh, agreement. Oh, exactly. That. Oh, yeah. Can't, yeah. can't beat that. And then I said, well, let me talk to your supervisor. And 15 minutes later, I hung up yeah. after hearing the same song over and over and over again. So Verizon, shame on you. I've well, been, I've been, well I've, been, I've been with them since 1988. Well, I know you've been with them a long time. And they were standing there by the phone, and they were looking at it, and they were taking bets on how long you were going to hold on. Yep, they sure were. <laughs> yep. And it was like, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. So maybe that ought to be a good reason to run bad advertising next week. Who knows? Well, we just did. Yeah. We hey, uh, let's check in with Andy Borowitz here on the Advertising Show. Hi. This is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. Mohammed Saeed Al-Sahaf, who became famous around the world for his rosy pronouncements when he served as information minister to Iraqi strongman Saddam Hussein, staged a stunning political comeback this past week by being named the chief spokesperson for the Pentagon in Washington. Mr. Al-Sahaf, who made headlines as Baghdad Bob three years ago by repeatedly proclaiming that the Iraqi army was demolishing invading U.S. forces, 
appeared at a press briefing at the Pentagon with a beaming Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld who called the former Iraqi information minister the right man for the job at the right time, explaining his decision to tap Mr. Al-Sahaf as chief Pentagon spokesperson. Secretary Rumsfeld says, I realized our spokesmen have been trying to do the same thing that Muhammad did three years ago, only they aren't as credible as he was. Stepping up to the microphone, Mr. Sahaf said that conditions on the ground in Iraq have never been better and that the insurgency was all but vanquished. Democracy is flowering in Iraq so fast you wouldn't believe it, Mr. Al-Sahaf said. People think the new constitution is awesome. When asked by a reporter about the burned-out cars that litter the streets of Baghdad and other cities, Mr. Al-Sahaf was unfazed, explaining their engines overheated. The former Iraqi information minister was also upbeat about the trial of Saddam Hussein, telling reporters it's moving even faster than Milosevic's. Elsewhere, President Bush acknowledged that pre-war intelligence about Iraq had been false and said that the U.S. would discontinue its practice of ordering military intelligence from Costco. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to BorowitzReport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Well, he always has the last word, so to speak. Right? Oops. Wait, I, got, uh, I need to bring, bring you back up. How about that? Now you can say something. Oh, well, I was no? just agreeing with you. Oh, thank you very much. I like yeah. that. Andy's always a lot of fun to have on the on the, uh, yeah. on the radio here in the advertising show. Hey, um, New Orleans is trying really hard. They're shooting a movie there. I think it was Denzel Washington is there. Does it involve uh, a canoe? Is it, is, what is that? Does it involve a canoe? No, it doesn't. Uh, well, no. it might. Who knows? Huh. Pretty good movie. But they're back shooting a movie. And uh, uh, what they're saying here, this is from Ad Age. It says, New Orleans slowly but steadily beginning to emerge from Katrina's aftermath. Print publications, television, radio stations putting out the welcome mat for media buyers and marketers. No, no doubt about that. Although the population in the city itself is still well below mm-hmm. the pre-storm figure. Uh, they're saying that, uh, you know, everybody is affected by Katrina, needs to buy a range of goods and services, including cars, flooring, household goods, and fast foods. We actually did a, a commercial for, uh, what was it, the Gulf, I think Gulf States, Toyota or something like that, uh, right uh, right after Katrina. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it, it would be nice to see them come back, but... I don't know how you feel, Brad, but I'm not sure that they'll come back to the way that they were before. I think they'll be hard-pressed to do that, and I read somewhere recently where one of the major conventions decided to uh, go ahead and have their convention held in New Orleans as they had for years previous, and I thought that was a good thing. That's nice. Well, they used to do the uh, NAB convention there a lot. Mm-hmm. Not in recent years, though, so anyway, but uh, we, we hope that they, they heal very well. The advertising show is uh, next week. Alan Adamson, Managing Director at Lander, New York, and we hope you'll join us. Don't forget to go to the advertisingshow.com website. You'll hear a podcast and RSS feeds of not only today's show, but a whole bunch of shows up there as well. So check it out, won't you? The advertising show is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. We'll see you next week. This is a Big Radio Midgets production.